when I was there, the first black homecoming queen was crowned at Georgia. Sarah Collins was her name. So that was the big thing. It's like, wow, Georgia is changing in front of our eyes. We have a black homecoming queen. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Grace Carbonari, and I'm one of the co-chairs for After the Arch. We serve as co the co-chairs for After the Arch for the Student Alumni Council. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to the first episode of Bugga, Where Are They Now? I want to say a special thank you to our panelists for speaking to us today. As After the Arch chairs host events throughout the semester, connecting graduating seniors to alumni. Though we cater to graduating seniors, our events are open to all students. Hi, I'm Salita. I'm the other co-chair for After the Arsenal, which serves as one of the two episodes that we will, we will be releasing. Before we get into the questions, I would like to say that throughout our podcast, we'll be using the term BUGA, which just stands for Black UGA. Another disclaimer, there's a thunderstorm happening outside right now. So if anyone leaves at any moment, it's because of um, connection loss. And so now we're going to introduce our panelists. Charlene, you can go first. Yeah, ladies first. <clears throat> Hello, my name is Charlene Ben, and I graduated in 1985 um, from Columbus, Georgia. All right, and I am Excel and Ray. I go by MC. I am from Stockbridge, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta, and um, I graduated in 2014. All right, so we're going to start off with the questions, and our first question is, what did you study while you were at UGA? And if you can, could you describe how you saw or didn't see yourself represented in your department? So I'll start. I studied computer science. And in 1985, you can imagine what that looked like in um, graduate studies as we were taking the classes. There were not a lot of folks who looked like me. Number one, there were not a lot of women in the discipline. And there were also uh, very few Black women. Um, since that time, I'm sure there have been lots and lots who've, uh, of students who've um, majored in computer science. Computer science was different because it was more technical. So you didn't get as much of a business background, but you got really a lot of background in programming um, and software development. So um, it was different in the discipline, but very different in what it looked like. Um, um, uh, I majored in finance and international business. Um, I think initially when you take your, um, when you get into your, you're taking your prerequisites, even before applying, um, you're in there with a lot of your friends, possibly before you branch out. So I think there was enough initially until I got into like my major classes. And then it felt like I was the, like, I think I might've been the only, or, or there might've been two or three of us that identified as black that were in the class. Um, and not, and I think it's the same, I didn't see many women, um, a lot of like, um, especially black women, um, but I had a great experience otherwise, but definitely didn't see um, as many people that look like me in, in my major classes. Okay, so our next question is, can you describe the Bugga community while you were in school? What were some of the programs and events that were hosted within the community? So um, I can I can start off this one. Um, Bugga was uh, very unified, I'd say, while I, while I was there in their programming and um, I guess our activities on campus. Um, we didn't. I heard stories of like take time, and I think it like died down. But when my by the time my class got there, 
they're very enthusiastic about um, having it. Also, while I was there, um, homecoming, I think, became a thing maybe my freshman year. I think prior to that, people weren't really coming back as often. And now um, it grew into this tremendous thing where it's like a family reunion on the quad every year, which is um, super, super great and amazing. Um, and I think it also does the justice of connecting us to the other classes. Um, so when people do come home, I'm always like, I know people from all generations, all classes. Um, so I would say that um, while I was there, it probably was a lot more, uh, and still is, it, it set in motion that kind of familiar family tie um, situation. So I liked it, I loved it actually. So it's very interesting to hear that story. Mine is very different. Um, having graduated in 85, um, there was no homecoming um, celebration per se. So it is very exciting um, to come back now and to feel like you really are a part of something that was big and important and to have fun with all the generations is just the most amazing thing. Um, when I was there, the first black homecoming queen was crowned at Georgia. Sarah Collins was her name. So that was the big thing. It's like, wow, Georgia is changing in front of our eyes. We have a black homecoming queen. And um, that was just one of the many ways that we were seeing right there in the 80s, Georgia changing. Um, there was no Tate at the time. So at, at, by the time I graduated, Tate was there. But when I first um, arrived on campus, Tate was just being built. So we didn't have the concept of Tate time. But we did have the concept of gathering together wherever we were, um, because we were such a small sub-community of the larger University of Georgia community, Memorial Hall was the place to gather. So all the offices were there, all of the gatherings were there, all the parties were either there or in one of the dorm um, rooms or one of the dorm locations. So things were very different. One thing that was really different, and I don't think it happens anymore, but one thing that was very connecting for us is whenever you passed a African-American person on campus, you always spoke. I mean, that was that unspoken rule. You at least said hello. Um, and you might not have known them, but you, you spoke because we were such a smaller community and we wanted to acknowledge that we knew each other and that we understood what each other was sort of traveling through at the time by just simply saying, hi. And, and keeping it moving. So I'm sure that's very different now, at least uh, my, my daughters who attended Georgia as well tell me it's a lot different now. Okay, MC, so you brought up Tate time, but not everybody knows what that is. I know what that is, but not everyone does. So we wanna make sure we explain what that means. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm always thinking of like, when you say something, I always recognize that I'm surprised I didn't even think of it. I think it's cause it's so normalized and like, in speaking, I'm just like, everybody knows what take time is, but take time is a time, um, I think it happens like um, probably around like 12 to two-ish around that time. Um, but you'll go and you'll see like a big group of um, Black and African-American students um, in Tate, the center of Tate area, um, to sometimes um, in the in its past has been an actual time outlined where you got, where they would like party and put music on. That's where I guess stem from, um, would be outside in the, um, it's not a quad, we call that area that's like right outside the doors of Tate. They used to like have a time out there. That's where it stemmed from. But now um, hopefully it would get back to that, that, but essentially it's a time between 12 and two when black people gather in Tate. Thank you for explaining that for all of our listeners. And our next question is, what was one of the biggest challenges you found when you were a student at UGA? 
so for me, I think probably the biggest challenge was just navigating a big, the big University of Georgia campus and community and figuring out how the bus system works and not wanting to look like, you know, a baby uh, in, a, in, because having come from Columbus, Georgia, there was a, a lot I didn't, hadn't seen before. So I had, you know, there were uh, styles, there were fashions that I had never seen. I remember coach purses was the thing and I didn't even know what a coach purse was. So for me, it was just adapting to the culture. It, it was also, um, for me, the one really big thing was recognizing that everybody there was smart. So all of the classes, valedictorians and salutatorians and smart people were there. So, you know, you, you walks into English 101 thinking, okay, well, I know I got this, this will be a cinch. And you realize everybody's smart and you've got to raise your game. And that's one of the things I think I love the most about Georgia is I felt like my education truly was a good education. It wasn't just, you know, people talk about it being in the party school, but really you did get a good education and you were challenged in most of your classes there. Um, that was probably like one of the biggest things I think for me too was coming to the, um, and I think it's something that I think about on the regular. It's like, um, like I think UJ did provide a lot of um, opportunities and, and, and a space for like people that, you know, are very similar across the board to come and like still like feel uh, like have a complete college experience. I think like that was probably something that was unique. Um, but so, what was hard for me at the university, I think was, um, I would say making sure that you have a good work-life balance. I think that was probably the hardest, um, just because you wanna be involved in so much. There's so many things to do on campus. You have friends, but also I think that's the first place where like when you have a problem, whether it be an adult problem or stress or a depression, like you're really kind of navigating that on your own. Like you make the official decision on how that goes as opposed to like normally you're with your parents and things of that sort. So I think that was probably the hardest thing to navigate was that transition to um, that I think happens the entire four years into being a full-fledged responsible adult that you would hopefully be in your like, you know, postgraduate life, so. that um, with transitioning, we were also going to ask, like, what was your experience transitioning into the workforce, particularly being a Black woman or a Black man? So for me, I felt very ready um, to transition. I, I know for sure that I got my first job um, out of college. I was a computer science major, so I thought, you know, I could go work anywhere I wanted. But the first job that I got was at SunTrust Bank. And I know for sure that it was because the um, head of IT went to Georgia. And so they were looking for Georgia graduates. And so there was a very much a nurturing experience when I arrived at SunTrust Bank, a brand new computer programmer, not knowing exactly what um, I would do. But the transition um, felt very, um, it was still very difficult because you're going from an, a, a, a student to a real adult. So, you know, you have two weeks of vacation and otherwise you gotta, you gotta grind it. <laughs> and so for me, it was like, oh goodness, I gotta work for every day except the weekends and two weeks out of every year. Now things have changed and, you know, uh, PTO is very different then, but back then you got two weeks and you worked hard for three. Um, so becoming an adult, you know, my first car was a little Honda Civic and I think I, got, I financed it for 17% interest. 
So, you know, I, I had nothing. I had, you know, a few loans, not a lot. Um, and so, you know, there was quite a bit of a grind and that was a little bit earth shattering for me, but it, I felt very prepared because I felt like when I left Georgia I, and, and I would find kindred spirits, people would say, oh, where'd you go to school? Well, I went to Georgia. Oh, I went to Georgia. And so that really helped ease that transition as well. Um, McSell, and I'll, I'll turn it to you. So, um, yeah, I have. It's so funny. I love me, me, some, I love me personally some Miss Charlie, but it's so funny. Like a lot of our stories are aligning. I actually thought I was going to, um, I remember when I when I graduated and I came from um, um, I was working retail, obviously, while I was in school. And I remember telling people like um, he was like, well, you'll probably just get something because you went to Georgia. And, and I was like, no, it doesn't work like that. Like, that's not what's going to happen. And sure enough, like and I can't even like have one of these like cool stories. I'm like my first job was literally she said she told me she was like, I only hire um, UGA grads and South Carolina grads. And her husband who was like a big financial um, advisor in the area. Um, and she was head of HR at, at my job, but like her husband, like they'd invite me over and we'd eat and stuff like that. And like people at my job were like upset about it. Like, oh, yeah, this new person come here and it's all close with all these. And it was just so I, my first job, um, like even she took us like they had, um, it was in St. Simon's, by the way. It was a customer finance analyst position with a company called King and Prince Seafood. And um, you guys might have been to St. Simon's if you've been to Georgia, Florida on Frat Beach. I don't know if y'all know what that is, but it was a it was a time and a, and a good time. But um, I would go there and she would be like, let's go to Sea Island and, and we'll go see Darius Rucker and cool stuff like that. And it was just like, but she um, and she would obviously hang out with other people because she hung out. She had um, South Carolina grads there, too. But like anybody that didn't go to school, it was like they didn't even exist in her. So it was really cool to be in a space like that. Um, I think the only thing that I would have did differently um, as far as that transition goes into adulthood is, um, like Ms. Charlene said, I came out with student loans and I think uh, I paid them off very aggressively with my first job. I think the first, um, if I could go back and do anything, I probably would have saved up like six months worth of like expenses. You're kind of coming. Um, I think that's the thing that most people, um, like general adults don't have is a savings or a savings plan. I think you as a new person coming out, you're already like gonna be in debt. Like, like that's not gonna change in six months. You might as well save up that amount. So that way you have something to fall back on um, and things of that sort. So um, yeah, that's probably like, um, that's my, that was my first job transition into adulthood. Um, moving away was was weird. Um, I thought I was, I, when I majored in international business, I was like, I'm going to live abroad and, you know, I'm going to be working, I'm going to be financing like Korea or like in Spain or something. And I moved five, four hours away. And I was like, well, this, I'm not doing this anymore. Like I need to come right back home. Obviously I was younger now. I might do it now, but definitely I was like, let's come on back. But because it's weird to be there and it's like, you don't have friends. You might not, um, Georgia, Florida happens once a year when it's like all these young people are out and it looks like this is like a young thriving place. And then all, and they actually hate us being there by the way, but all those people leave and then, you know, you're there with a whole bunch of families and older and older elderly people, which is um, which obviously they're not going to want to hang out with you, you know, at uh, 10 p.m. at night and be like, let's go have a drink or something. So um, I think that was the one thing is learning how to be by yourself. I started eating by myself and things like that. Honestly, and I'm embarrassed to say this when I was in college, I wouldn't even like go to the dining hall by myself. I'd be like, I can just wait. Like, There's too many people on this campus, too many friends like eventually somebody's going to say yes, but like, I wouldn't go like, be like, let me go sit down at this table and eat by myself. And that's not something that's common. You should want to do those things. So I think that's the one thing moving away. 
and having to do things by myself and go things. And now it's like, nobody's going to stop this party. I'm going to always do what I want to do. Um, if I want to see a movie, I'll go by myself. If I want to go to a play, I'll just go by myself. And so I think that was a good part of the transition, but honestly, it was difficult initially. I love that. Thank you guys for sharing, especially for me and Salitha who um, have not yet done that transition. I love hearing thoughts from people who have and advice that they share. Our next question is that UGA has reached 60 years of desegregation this year, and we were hoping just to get y'all's thoughts and feelings surrounding the celebration. Um, I can lead, I guess, with this one. Um, I definitely think um, it's fantastic. Um, it always brings to my mind that like 60 is not that long ago. That's always like my first thought is just like, they're like, like, We've done, we made significant strides and um, the alumni are fantastic. And it's really good to look out and see like that we've had people here, but like 60, I think is young and thriving and like in my mind. So I'm, so I can't imagine like, so I think we just have like, I'm always like, how much further can we go? And always recognizing where we came from, but also recognizing that, you know, that in this short span, you know, we're, we can't rewrite history. We need to make sure we emphasize and continue to push, um, narratives and push ideas that will further us along while acknowledging the past that we came from. We have a, we have a lot that we owe um, current students and future students. And so I think that's what always comes to mind when I think of, um, when, like when I hear the 60th anniversary of desegregation, super excited about it, but also recognizing um, the impact that 60 years has and, or, or I would say, um, and the emphasis that it means uh, as far as like time period. Yeah, so I would agree. I, it's it's the most important part of the UGA experience for me is to celebrate the fact that um, the university is beginning to lean into the blackness and the importance of the black experience on a campus like the University of Georgia. Um, I tell the story all the time. I know everyone's probably a little tired of hearing it, but I'm actually named after Charlene. My sister named me Charlene after Charlene Hunter. Um, I was born in 63. She graduated in 63. So it was a big deal then that she um, she would be, she would graduate. And then my sister decided to name, uh, name me Charlene. What people probably don't know as much as my given first name was Edith, um, named after Edith Lumpkin, who um, my father um, used to be her chauffeur. He would drive her to Athens to the football games. Um, and he never in a million years, I don't think, dreamed that three of his children and two of his grandchildren would end up attending the University of Georgia when he was driving Miss Lumpkin um, to the football games in Athens. So desegregation for me is very personal. It's the, it's the intersection of being named after a wealthy white woman in Columbus that my father worked for, Edith Lumpkin, and Charlene Hunter, the pioneer who would walk the, you know, the hallowed uh, ground of um, being brave enough to attend the University of Georgia. So when I pull those two together, um, and I think about um, where we have come in such a short time, as McSellen said, it's a very big celebration for me. Um, and um, it's, it means even more, I think, for me, because my sister and my brother and I were all there at the same time. And things had not completely changed um, in the 80s. There were still rebel flags hanging from fraternity houses and there were still, you know, the N-word usage probably, probably still is. Um, but we could see that it was trying to, the, the university was trying to evolve. It was trying to find its way um, to be a place that would embrace 
uh, those folk who look like us, who have the the the, the wit and the uh, wisdom and the the brain power to to be successful at the University of Georgia. So for me, it, um, desegregation day really means everything. It it means a lot to me personally, but a lot to me as an African American as well. Okay, so our next question is. Um... UGA's Black undergraduate population is currently at 8.3%. The total undergraduate population, so we call ourselves the 8%. And so when you hear that, describe what comes to mind, how does that make you feel, and what can be done to increase this number? Um, I actually feel like I hear that number like all the time. I don't know if it is increasing or not, because I feel like we were the 8% when I was there. Um, and I feel like it's even like, I think we were less than 2% black men. I don't know if that's still the case. Um, so hopefully one of those will begin to grow, but it doesn't, I think it makes me think because the students are only getting smarter. And I say then that's across the board, but it makes me wonder like why are more black students still not wanting to come to the University um, of Georgia? And that's something that I think the, the not only the university, because um, I feel like the alumni are out here doing what they need to do to bring people in, but it shouldn't be like just the voices of alumni, uh, specifically black alumni that are pulling these people or or um, mothers to their children, like Miss Charlene and, and her siblings and things of that sort, and um, her father. Like she, like that's such a low level impact. Like the university probably should do a little bit more, I think, to push that. But that's what comes to mind honestly is that it's slightly disappointing because I feel like I went to school. Um, well, I, my, I was part of my um, entering class, I think the way they pulled the stats was in 2010. This is like 2021. Why is it still 8%? So I think it, I, I have the thought that like this should be something that needs to change because we want to see and look into. Um, and while we're talking about the, the 60th anniversary segregation and we're still at the same percentage, obviously we, we should emphasize that more to make sure that we are, um, that this is a place where like, People think like, oh, I, I'm a black student. I'll come here and thrive in the same way that I've seen others. So that's why. Yeah, so I'm disappointed as well um, because I know, and I speak to you know my youth at my church or youth in my family, and I, you know, the, the, when they hit high school, you're going to Georgia, right? And they, you know, they notoriously will say either that it's too hard to get into Georgia. And for those who are smart enough to get into Georgia, they're usually smart enough to get in at other places. And it seems that the other places are offering more in terms of scholarship money. I, I, I don't know if, if maybe we're not competing in that level, but there seems to always be this, 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 this thought that if, if I'm smart, if I'm that smart, I'll find somewhere bigger, somewhere different Ivy League or somewhere that's paying um, scholarship dollars, or I, people have an out of the box perception that they can't get into Georgia. Um, my daughters were that way. Neither of them had a plan to go to Georgia. Um, my husband insisted they apply because he said, you have a legacy. You're just, you know, not because legacy matters in terms of your acceptance, but you've started some, they've started something here and we want to see you continue it. So they said, oh, well, my oldest said, oh, I'll apply. She applied, she got in, she went, and, and it was really pretty much a no-brainer for my second one when she um, applied, although she had her sights set on some other schools. You know, the story was, there's no better quality education if you live in Georgia than to go to Georgia because the, the cost as compared to some other schools, um, private schools are going to be way more expensive. Um, you have the HOPE scholarship. I, you know, it, there's just so, such a cost benefit for us at, 
for my family, that it was almost a no brainer that if you can get into Georgia, you're going to Georgia. And so they were able to get in. So that we sort of kind of pushed them. And I think parents do need to make sure they're prodding their kids and helping them navigate. Sometimes, um, you know, kids can make their own decisions. And I know people do a lot of research around what, you know, the university offers and so forth. But um, I, we did have to kind of navigate our kids toward Georgia and they thank us. They're like, thank you so much for, nav- I, I might not have wanted to go if it had not been for you pushing us a little bit to go there. Um, I think part of the reason though, that we don't have a lot of uh, older alums, the young alums are doing it, McSellen and group. I mean, they are out there on social media. They are pushing it big time. The older ones still have a little bit of hurt because the experience at Georgia hasn't always been the experience that some of the younger students may have. You know, you 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 can remember back when there were dorm mothers and students, black students were segregated um, to an extent in the dorms. So they have a little bit of hurt where they felt like the university didn't give back to them. Um, and so it's very hard for them to really push Georgia because they still remember that. So that's one of the reasons I'm the el- older one on the Black Alumni Leadership Council, because I really want to see how we can embrace some of the older um, generation of graduates so that they can see Georgia is really trying to lean into um, our culture. And maybe they don't get it per- perfectly right, but they're trying. They're, they're giving it some effort. And so we have to join forces with that so that we can get more students at Georgia because, it, because it's a great quality education. And as MC and I were saying earlier, it, it's beyond the, the education. It's the connections. It's when you wear the big G on your chest and people embrace you and, and you get that kindred spirit among other Georgia graduates when you go places and do things. Um, so it's bigger than just the education as well. I, I agree. And I love having both of y'all because y'all are, you graduated from two completely different times. So it's, I think it's so interesting to see what you are both repeating from one another and the different thoughts y'all have of your experiences. Um, and this question is specifically for MC. Um, the shooting and death of Trayvon Martin in 2012 sparked the world's attention. Black students and children in some way or form were affected by what happened. What was it like for you, especially being a college student during this time? And what was it like attending UGA at this time as well? Um, it's so interesting to see the contrast now. Um, I was, uh, we d- I did a stand in protest um, in Tate when um, it happened. We all were black and um, held up signs. And it's so interesting now that like, I see the contrast of how like there is sometimes performative allyship um, there are people that we were friends with, that, but that like, you know, we, we thought we were all to get in this together and they were on campus and it's like we're having Trayvon Martin, you know, is unjustly murdered and we're staging a protest and none of them really cared to come and, you know, stand with us in solidarity. Obviously, we had some people, but it's weird now that the world stopped and it's like, you know, we're all on social media that like people are taking a notice. And you always think like, it, how genuine is this? when it actually comes down to it. Um, so I think just from a person that's like still young and very adamant about, you know, coming out and, and showing my opinions, obviously this is nothing new. I'm pretty sure Ms. Charlene has seen m- way more than I would ever would, but that was like the first time I think we were like, social media really played that impact in driving social justice to see like the contrast now, how people are reacting versus back then um, was awesome. It was also very awesome just to see that the black community came together and didn't really look to, to do it. It wasn't led by, or um, not saying teachers or administration or anybody that was um, 
advocated or was in fact black and then faculty wasn't there. It's just, we weren't waiting to, for them to come and, and tell us um, um, what to do or how to, or how to express ourselves. So um, the stand-in was beautiful um, just to see us all standing in solidarity. And I think that's one thing that it reinstated, even though it was such a, you know, a bad feeling and, and it, was, it felt terrible that like, you know, this boy no longer, will no longer like, like no longer gets to see things. And I, he's supposed to be 26 right now. You know what I mean? He's supposed to have been a college student and, and a graduate and, and then a, a grown adult, you know? And so it's, um, it, it brought to light, like obviously those things and those, those that hurts. Um, but I also think that it was great to see like all these, um, that Black UJ comes out in solidarity in solidarity, and that when um, tragedies happen that we're willing to not only, you know, stand together, but also stand up. So that is um, amazing. And um, Ms. Charlene, you can definitely add anything. Obviously you were still alive during this event, just um, not on campus like MC was. So if you have anything to add, you totally can as well. Sure, so I, I think, you know, the kind of the, maybe the entirety of the Black Lives Matter um, movement um, has been really, it has, it's been an awakening. It's awakened, I think, people to their prejudices. It's awakened people to the fact that there are people who see folks differently. And you, going to a campus, a, a, a predominantly white campus, sometimes you, you're just, you know, grinding it. You're trying to get to class. You're hanging out with your friends. You're just get doing life in a microcosm of a campus. But at the same time, I think the black, the death of Trayvon, and not just Trayvon, but all of the folks who've suffered at the hands um, of whomever it was, oftentimes police, um, has really awakened a lot of emotion, not just in black people but I think in white people as well, and, and people of all kinds of cultures who are saying, some are saying, you know, yeah, I know, and I think it was due. Some are saying, yeah, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And I can't imagine that I wasn't, you know, uh, thinking about that. And others are saying, what do we do? How can we make it through this? So it was definitely an awakening, even having not been on campus, but it, bring, it has really, I think, brought out, and as much as I don't do social media, Social media has been absolutely incredible for us as a people because we probably never would have seen this. I'll tell you guys a quick story. My father's father was killed. Um, he was shot in the back by a sheriff in Columbus. So it brings a lot of raw emotion. It, it brought me back to, well, now I wonder why he was shot. I wonder if he had to be shot. Why was he killed? He wasn't, my grandfather wasn't a criminal. I never knew him. So it, it, there's a lot of emotion that this brings. It, it awakens the senses of everyone, but it also requires us to look for justice where it can be found. Whether you're white on a predominantly white campus, black on a predominantly white campus, neither, you know, or whether you've left campus, it brings about an awakening and we have to deal with those emotions. We can't just to assume that they're not there, we have to deal with them. And I think we're all gonna be better if we can ever get to the other side of that. So Ms. Charlene, I wanted to ask, I know earlier you mentioned that your daughter is graduated in 2013, yes? So as like a parent, how did you feel like that your daughters are on campus while something like this is happening? Like, Sure, so there's not a day that as a parent, your child is away from school, away at school, that you don't worry about something. 
I mean, it's not just whether they'll be unfairly treated by police officers, but it's, you know, I mean, when they left, I told them, don't you don't date a football player and you stay away from this one fraternity, guys, <laughs> because I knew what that was going to mean. I won't name the fraternity um, only because I was just, you know, I was very afraid and I did have to teach them, you know, be careful. Don't be caught alone. Make sure you're there with someone. Here's some resources I have. Um, a friend of mine who actually works, uh, several friends who work at the University of Georgia, and they were, my kids didn't even realize they were being watched by some of my friends who were my contemporaries at Georgia, keeping an eye on them. It's very, it's, as a parent, there's not a day that goes by when your children are away at college that you don't worry a little bit. So I had an agreement with my girls that um, just check in with me every day and I'm 45 minutes away. So if I call you and you don't answer, I'm on my way. <laughs> so it's going to be best for you to answer and say, mama, I'm fine. I'm on my way to class. Goodbye. Hang up. But when I can't get in touch with you, I'm on my way. So you're very, you, you, you do find yourself being very protective, but it wasn't just about, you know, the Trayvon and that situation. It's really all of the situations of life that you, you do worry about for your children. And you just have to keep an eye. And of course, your religion, your, your spirituality plays a lot there too. And so I have another question for you. Um, so how do you feel coming back to campus and interacting with students 36 years later after you've graduated? Um, it is the best, and, and this is the um, very, very authentic truth. It's the best feeling in the world to come back to campus. You step foot there and you, you, know, you walk across Sanford, Stadium, Sanford, that Sanford Drive, I guess, and you see the stadium or you go to a game and you hear the roar, or you go to homecoming and you just see the togetherness. I can't think of a better place to have gone to college than Georgia. And I'm sure Auburn grads and tech grads and everywhere else feel the same way. But for me, I can't think of a better place that I would have liked to have gone. And there is something extra special about having children who went there as well, because then we get to sort of lock arms and we talk about how things have changed. And you guys tell me about South kitchen and bar and I tell you about cookies and company and um, exchanging all of those stories just means the world. It does mean a lot that the university has done some things like name the Hunter Galt building. Um, so then you begin to feel like you you do own, as a graduate in the 80s, you sort of went to school, you graduated, you have the things that you left behind, but you didn't have as much ownership of Georgia. But I think now that we've had scholarship funds, we have the Black Alumni Associate, uh, Committee, we have the 1961 Club that everybody can contribute to, um, you do feel like you have a little bit of part of Georgia in you. It, you, you own or you, a part of that is yours. Whereas I think before in the, in the 80s when I was you know, there and graduated, maybe you didn't quite feel as strongly about Georgia. But now as I you know, come back to campus <clears throat> and I visit, I visit with my girls or I visit with my sister and brother, we do feel a little bit more ownership of the school. It be, it's a little bit more ours than I think it was uh, back in the day. MC, I'm going to ask you the same thing. How does this make you feel? Um, so when I come back, I'm uh, not that far removed. So I feel um, they might look at me like the old man. So hopefully, you know, like if I am, I'm hopefully I'm the coolest. But I feel like when I come back, I still feel very like um, in touch. Obviously, I have my, um, my mentee, Actually, I he um, he went to my high school, so he we were um, he was there when I was 
Um, I would I had like an organization at high school where we mentored kids there too. It's called Impact Ambassadors. But basically, I watched him as a sophomore, like you know, and being in tenth grade to like now, you know, being a college student, a freshman. This is his first year, and that him attributing a lot of the reason that he went to university because of just all the things I would tell him or all the things I would talk about. So it felt like cool, like, like, oh, wow, I have like, you know, a sibling that's younger than me that like went to the university and I had like an impact on that and, you know, can give the advice in the same respect. Um, so I would say it feels, it feels fantastic. I think there is actually, uh, like Ms. Arlene said, like no better feeling. Um, I think it feels great to see all these students, even one, and ones that I will know and ones that will eventually become alumni and, um, and participate, like how I, am on councils and stuff like that. I think it's fantastic. Um, also, um, just to mention, um, and I think what Ms. Charlene said is, I think a lot of people do um, pick the university, um, so especially if they're smart and they're like, you know, they know what like the what schools like and what people, you know, when they after they graduate, um, what looks good on a resume and all that stuff. You know, like a lot of people thought of the think of the university, especially Black students and alumni, as a business decision. And I mean, obviously. You know, at the end of the day, you're going to college to get your education, but it shouldn't be like I'm dredging this university, but I'm going here because I know it's the best school. And I think we're um, um, black alumni and, and um, I even see like black students on campus are very enthused by the university now. And I think um, a lot of that has to do, obviously, you know, because of people that came generations before us. Um, the generation before us to, you know, make sure that these things are happening. But now I definitely see a shift and a change and it feels like black students are super excited to be there and they're being heard and they're finding community. Um, and not even just in a, mono, in a uh, monocratic space, but kind of like, you know, all these diverse groups of individuals are finding themselves within the black community. And that is so beautiful. And so I think um, it's a beautiful feeling in short. Something that is on kind of a similar note of this beautiful feeling is what is your fondest bugger memory or experience? Fondest memory. Um, that we can uh, share. <laughs> yeah, that's what I <laughs> I'm like, let me, let me see. Like when I was not out, um, not joking. Um, well, I can probably get, get in and, and you guys will say, well, that didn't sound like a whole lot of fun, but <laughs> I remember I was actually not, I was a high school senior and my sister and brother were at Georgia at the time. And so I was coming, I went to Georgia to visit my sister and I went to this party and there was this seemingly 10 foot tall gentleman and I danced with him. His name was Dominique Wilkins. Oh, Yeah. So it was so cool. I was like, I have got to go to Georgia. These are the best looking men I've ever seen in my life. And then they're big, tall, burly guys. So I, I honestly thought that um, at that party that, you know, this is the place I want to go because I think I can fit in here. I think I can find my way here. Um, but dancing with Dominique Wilkins was probably my fondest memory um, off the top of my head. Um, I think I had a lot of um, great experiences, um, especially like, like uh, Ms. Charlene. Um, said shout out to Georgia Days by the way for providing that like bridge to like because that was those those, those uh, when you're a high school student coming to college and getting experience on campus were like probably the best like I, I still remember those so shout out to them for providing that for me I didn't have a sibling there but I had you know because of that program I could go and not you know be alone um, but uh, one of my fondest memories I would say honestly was um, graduation like being with all your friends, um, speaking at Rite Sankofa was amazing. Um, and just seeing like all these different people graduating, like that you didn't know, like um, 
Um, I think it's incredible, like, to see, like, you know, when we're looking out, we're like, oh, we're in each, you know, school and class and everything. And, and we, you know, we have some, um, and even, like, at Riders and Kofi, you get to see the different, um, like, people that did uh, programs outside of just undergrad. So you get to see, like, someone, like, you know, you get to clap because you hear, like, a doctor walk across the stage. And, you know, she doesn't know any of us, but, like, we're all super enthused and excited because, like, you're a Black woman or a Black man, like, doing it, you know? So I think that was something that um, I think was very um, pr proud. I think, um, obviously, I, I could say to the um, cops come knocking, I don't, we might not like each other, like, per on a personal level, but as far as the community, like, you know, I'm going to stand with you, and we're going to, and I'm going to celebrate you. And I think that just reinforced that, like, you know, we're all here together, and we all did this, and it felt, and, like, you graduating is as much of a, of a great feeling as it is if, um, when I look at somebody else um, and, and I might not know I'm getting graduating because we're all like black, you know, now professionals and graduates doing doing the darn thing. So I would say that's probably my fondest memory. That whole weekend was just magical. That was a good one. I just wanted to add, if I could, to that. Um, the um, my, my graduation speaker was George Bush Sr. So that also gives you a little bit of history around how things have changed. But I have to admit that probably the best time that I have had was in my sorority. Um, and I do encourage involvement. I mean, you have to be involved in something. For me, being involved in my sorority um, was everything socially for me. Um, and I'm not suggesting that everybody has to be in a fraternity or sorority in order to have great memories, but it was helpful for me um, to come back to Georgia, gave me something to come back to, gave me something to, to find my way back to campus for before my, my girls went there. So I, I have to shout out to my sorority for being a part of, a big part of who I am and what I was at Georgia. And I was talking about this earlier before the podcast started, but I'm like, I was the first one in my family. I am the first one in my family to go to college. So Georgia Day's um, weekend was like the first time I got to actually experience the college life, you know? And so for me, that was so exciting. I've never seen so many Black people on UGA's campus in one place. Like, I literally thought, like, 8% was nothing. Like, I was like, if this is 8%, I can see them all the time. This is great. Like, I love this. So yeah, and also February 24th at 6 p.m., we actually have a dialogue with the dog with the Georgia Days founders. So please stay tuned. Um, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great. So please do come. But we're going to go to our next question. And I'm going to ask you guys, what is the Bella community like post-graduation? Um, I can lead with that one uh, on this one. Um, I think it's uh, fantastic. Um, we have our, we actually have a group <laughs> message. Um, it's, I think ours extends from, it's not everybody's in it, but because that'd be insane. But um, it's like, I think it extends like the, the earliest class might be 2012 and the latest class in it is 2016. So right around like a few years before I, or um, I'm sorry, not 2000. Yes, graduated in 2012, yes. So everybody kind of in there within a small range of like when I was there and then a little bit after us. It was started by somebody in 2014. Um, so it was it's cool. Um, I think um, for a long time, we'd meet every November um, at, for like the day when you have Friendsgiving, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving and everybody's home. We'd go to um, this place called uh, Hole in the Wall that's in Buckhead. And we would just go and like meet up and party like that whole time. And like, it's like a reunion and it happened every like um, time. Um, they're also, I think we're very supportive of each other. I think we share, like we buy each other's businesses. Um, even when I was thinking um, about like when we do, when I do interviews for 
um, the UJ Black alumni and we're trying to find people. I think it's just so easy that I can like put into our group messages, either of our group messages, whether it be my council group message or that um, group message that like there's some reciprocation. We always share each other with each other um, jobs um, when job opportunities are open. Um, I wish honestly that we would have had th that um, we would have had this, this or something similar while like we were students um, and which is, and we kind of do now. There's like a business um, group message that I'm in and I post like things in there and you know the students are like or they'll ask questions about things but I think that's um the it's still the, I think it's still just as unified uh, I'm just I was just like you I didn't um actually come to the university with any knowing anything or anything about college I have no I'm the oldest so my sister like I didn't have a person that was um here um but I did have a lot of I did do Georgia days which helped a lot and just made sure to emphasize that point and, I'm, and thank you to those founders I think they did it in maybe 2008 or 2006 might be, I don't remember the year but thank you to them and shout out to them I just want to I want to see them speak and hear their story but like the university doesn't really do uh, I'm sorry I don't want to say doesn't really do but the university like obviously we, whether they were doing things or not um black students on campus, like I said, are some of the most people that are, they're not gonna wait. They're just gonna get up and if I see a lacking, I'm gonna do it. And I think those students that did start that program obviously saw that there was a need that like, there are black students not coming here. What can we do to do that? They're not, you're not, you're not gonna come on a tour and like look out and see a group of black people. You know, I don't know if they walk you guys through tape, but like, you're not gonna just see, cause you know, we're still 8%, but there are, there is a community on campus and, I, and Georgia Days highlights that. And so I think what um, that helped also, like you meet people that are um, older than you. And also I had alumni um, from my high school. It was like two or three of them that I reached out to. Now I think we have an opportunity in a unique space where it's like we have social media, but also where we have this, we have now have enough graduates where we're forming like extensions and we have generations of people that graduated. And so I think it's really cool that like we have um, all these spaces to help each other and things that we kind of oftentimes describe that other um, groups, especially specifically white, um, students had access to probably, um, whether it be, you know, advice on classes or, you know, um, different um, job opportunities or internship opportunities. Now it's great to be like, and I could post in a group message, like I work for this company and we have open internship spots. If somebody's interested in this, please let me know. And I don't really care if you're like my sibling and stuff like that. So it's not really nepotism, but it's like, I want black, I don't see black faces. We need a black student. I want one, I want them now to be one from the University of Georgia. So I think the bug, I think it's even more unified because now we have a space um, where we can all like have like kind of a, a, a build up of each other um, and actually have that influence. And I think that it, it's um, great to see it in that respect as, uh, as opposed to the contrary. I'm Ms. Charlene, you can um, also answer that if you would like. It's about the bugger community like post-graduation. I know you kind of touched about it a little bit earlier, but if you just want to say anything else. Okay, sure. So, um, the bugger community is what keeps us back, keeps us together. I mean, um, I'll never forget my, actually my first homecoming where I heard that, oh, homecoming is not the way it used to be. You better go to homecoming and you, you've been missing out. You better get, and I went back and I saw an old friend from, oh my goodness, my old roommate from college and my old, old friends and, you know, the folk from way back, you know, when you are a part, again, part of a sorority, you kind of have reunions every now and then, but up outside of that to see some of these folks like, oh my goodness, it's you. <clears throat> it means everything. 
And um, I think that's the whole point. Our social networks at Georgia are really important for Bugga because it keeps us, it keeps us plugged in, it keeps us aware. And as McSellan said earlier, there is something about knowing that someone else went to Georgia with you, especially in the black community, not just in the, the, the larger University of Georgia community, but in the black community, that you have a kindred spirit, you have a story, you have a memory, you have uh, something that is in your heart about the University of Georgia. Because I can't imagine too many folks who went to Georgia, was there for four straight years, for the most part, and left and doesn't have something fond, whether it's a restaurant you ate at, place, you know, the first place you went when your mom and daddy said goodbye, whatever, the first person you met, everyone has a University of Georgia memory. And so keeping us, keeping us connected is really important. Um, I will plug also, though, we have to give. And one of the things that I think really um, arouses the University of Georgia's thinking about Black folks uh, that have gone to Georgia is the fact that when we give, we make a difference. When we participate in giving campaigns, when the, you know we pay our money to the 1961 fund or other funds, um, for my sisters and my brother, we've just started a, a scholarship fund in my parents' names. Um, my parents didn't go to college, but they saw, you know, three children and two um, grandchildren go through the University of Georgia. So we felt like we wanted to honor them. So giving is a really important thing that I think we do have to focus on as a Black community. Um, as McSellen said, many of us have gone on and done great things. I mean, when I read about some of the amazing things that African-American graduates have done from the University of Georgia, I have to encourage us all to remember that we have to give, even when we first leave. We get that first job and we find the company matches um, gifts. We got to give um, because that keeps it going. But it also keeps us um, or makes the university aware that we are a force and that we do care and we do have a heart for the University of Georgia. OK, and as we're nearing towards the end, one of the last questions we have is what encouragement and wisdom would you like to share with the black community at UGA? including Black undergraduate and graduate students, along with Black faculty and staff? That's a loaded question. I'll take a stab at that. Sorry. Um, I'll take a stab at the question, but for students um, who are there, I advise, and I know these are different times, my goodness, who would have thought you'd be going to school in the middle of a pandemic and all of the social things that have ha uh, happened in the last few years, it has to be a very um, high pressure and a very um, difficult time. But whatever it is, enjoy these as the best days of your lives, students, first of all, um, because they are the best days of your life. And these memories that we're, we're hearkening back to um, are everything in terms of your life's journey. And I can say that having gone through um, life for a lot of years now, um, for all of the other African-Americans, I, I just encourage that we keep up the fight, we keep up the push, we keep up the um, insistence that the University of Georgia acknowledge our parts in the history um, of the university, whether it was building the first buildings as slaves on campus or attending and pushing through that line as Hamilton and Charlene did, or just you know, deciding to hop on that north-south bus and ride to the north side of campus and find yourself sitting in front of the library and realizing that this is your University of Georgia the same way that it's been everybody else who's gone through those, um, who's walked underneath that arch. So embrace it. Um, and as we said earlier, 
there are a lot of the best schools in the country, but for us, there is no, nothing better than the University of Georgia um, and it's our experiences there. So we all just need to embrace that um, and lift that out in our lives and encourage other folks to acknowledge how great we are. Imperfect, albeit, but great. McSellen. That was beautiful. I loved every bit of that. So just to piggyback um, off of that, I think um, that definitely just if you see a space, I'm um, just like, uh, the one, the ones who integrated the the great infamous, infamous people that in, that integrated the university force. If you see a space in a need where like um or a place to stand up or to make room for yourself, like make sure you do that. And I, and that goes to all alumni. You can you come from greatness and you are greatness. So um as a as a black person, a black alumni working in a company, you see a need. Or as a black person working um yeah, like a eating in a restaurant and you see a need as a black graduate at, um, um, and you see a need at the university, you're, that's still your school. That's still like where you went to school. So I, I definitely want you to make sure you, you get involved in ways that you can, whether, and if you can't, like Ms. Charlene said, make your, uh, make your dollars count and put them towards a, a space where you know that um, they'll make a, a, dif a difference. Uh, and I want to speak specifically just to the students now on this one, but even though this still like would apply um, across the board to everybody, but I want to make sure that, that specifically black students that you are supposed to be there, that you are amazing, whether you and whatever you're going through, you're not an there's no imposter syndrome. You're also not a failure for not being, you know, like if the, you being on on that campus is defying everything that we would have known a few, only a few years ago. Actually, if we could be specific, 60 years ago. And you're like you're literally a walking testimony. So I just want to make sure that students like that they're that you don't that you don't feel the pressure that you have to um do anything or over overperform in any aspect um that you are supposed to be there and um no imposter syndrome take that out as well that you're supposed to be there and um yeah that's pretty much it don't stress yourself if you lost hope it's totally fine little hope versus academic hope you will be fine uh debt is a part of life so just i just want to make sure that those students know like I know you, you came from wherever you came from that where you were probably super smart, super intelligent. You're still those things. You're just in a different space in a different time. So recognize that you are human. You're gonna be an, a fabulous adult. So that's the only thing I wanna to say to the students. That's the last thing I would like to say to, to the students. Yes, that's a, I really love that. That was just so encouraging. And especially for, as a black student here at UGA, I think that means, that means a lot. It does mean a lot coming from black alumni. alumni. Um, so this is our last question and is, are there any words that you would like to share with the greater campus community outside of the 8%? Um, I can go ahead and start with this one. I have a lot of words, but I would mainly say um, that like this is, you, if you actively are walking on, on campus and acknowledging, or even as a, a, grad, a, de a graduate, you're actively seeing these needs that, to that, at the very least, I would just like you to advocate. Um, definitely make sure that you like in the same respect, like, cause we can't leave it all up, you know, to, to black students and black alumni to push for these things. And I'm not asking you to go out and make the space. I'm asking you to make sure to, that if you're not, uh, that if you're existing in these sp same spaces, um, which you are, if you're a graduate or alumni that you're actually advocating and, and not, and, and, and it takes, and I, it definitely would take a lot less energy than actually existing <laughs> as a black individual or a black alumni or black student, but just making sure that we're doing those things. Um, even like this platform is beautiful that you're allowing for like black alumni voices to come and speak. 
Um, but definitely, I would just say that would probably be like at a, a base level what I would like to come to see. Um, you do not have to be black to donate to the 1961 club in providing scholarships for black students. Um, if you donate to the alumni association, which essentially, um, which um, obviously helps in, that, in some of those respects as well, as well as things on campus, you can, you know, send a little bit to, you know, your, to make sure that a black student comes to the university. But also, I think Ms. Charlene um, was talking about it earlier about how like she has like the legacy of, you know, students and stuff like that. You don't have to be a, a black alumni to, uh, re to reach out to black students, or if you're a teacher or a white teacher at a school to making sure that, that you see this need and that we that there is a percent to contributing in that respect, and not just divulging your energy into like what's easy, but making sure that, you know, if you are an alumni that you're reaching out to all aspects and making sure that you know, like, if you have to be the person to introduce them even to a person like me, or Miss Charlene to like help get them and like I don't know much about the you know the black um, UJ experience but I know somebody I know or I know an organization that I can reach out to UJ Black Alumni on Instagram if you guys know anybody uh, but just like making sure that those things are, are being done like we can all do this together and it won't be really hard but definitely our voices count especially for if there's a lot of us and we need you guys so yes that's it. So that that was good I'll add to that there's a man named Sam Wilburn in Columbus Georgia and he's the reason that my sister, my brother, and I went to Georgia. He's a white man who we babysat um, in Columbus for. And he encouraged us. We didn't even know a thing about bulldogs or yellow jackets at the time. We were headed to Mercer and um, Columbus State. It was Columbus State. Now, we really didn't have big aspirations. Um, but he said, why don't you try Georgia? Go to Georgia. This was in the 80s. This was in the, actually the 70s. Um, very late 70s that Mr. Uh, Mr. Welburn um, encouraged us to go. And so I, that would be my message, encourage others um, because there are those students in your classrooms, there are students in your neighborhoods, there are students who could use just a little encouragement for someone who doesn't look like them to encourage them to go. That just means a lot when you see that crossing over where you're getting, you're uh, giving encouragement. Um, and then the second advice I would give, it's actually from a Mark Twain poet named Dave Chappelle. <laughs> and I know that would seem odd coming from me, but one of the things he has said that just sticks with me is don't, we don't want a handout as a black community, as black students, as black children. We just don't want anyone to stand in our way. So if you can just, you know, allow us to come through, allow us to have our experiences, as McSellan was saying earlier, and allow us to be the best that we can be. We promise to enjoy that time. And we would be very grateful to just not have you stand in our way. And I think that was what was so, so big and important about, you know, 60 years ago, is when a little bit of a door opened to just allow us to come and get a good education from the same university that the people who don't look like us were getting. Just please don't stand in our way. And I think we'll all be much happier and we'll all do fine if, if we can have that experience. Well, I think that concludes all of our questions for this episode, but we just wanted to thank both Ms. Charlene and Mr. MC, thank you guys so, so much for participating in our very first episode of this podcast. And I just don't think that Salita and I can really express like what this means to us and you guys being here and sharing all of your experiences and your thoughts and your opinions. It means the world to us. Um, and thank you so much for everybody who's listening right now to our very first episode for After the Arch Bugga, Where Are They Now? 
this After the Arts series serves to honor the 60th anniversary of desegregation here at UGA. Please stay tuned for our next episode. You can follow us on Instagram at UGA underscore SAC for all of all updates on all SAC events. Again, thank you everyone for listening.